one of the all-time favorite shows. Welcome to Because You're Home, this is episode 82, and we're kind of going against, we're, we're doing an episode about debunking, and I kind of feel like as if we're going against our bread and butter here, yes. um, where we're talking about like people who say are disproving stuff in the paranormal realm, and I'm like, but at the same time, I would like to point out there that I still would believe in hauntings, and I would believe in ghosts, I've never seen them. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I'd love to, I was only saying to Grace there, I'd love to see a ghost. But yeah. this is just an episode about certain hauntings or events that were debunked and possibly any films that were related to them. Or, um, like we're talking about the main ones that people would know. Um, but yeah, I would just like to put out there, we're not here to piss on anyone's parade. Um, there are just some... Because I, I looked into the whole, ended up for me doing a deep dive into like sciencey parts of uh, people who'd investigated hauntings and, and people who just were trying to debunk paranormal events completely. Yeah. Um, you still believe in ghost entrepreneurs, would you? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just like double checking. <laughs> um, Probably more so. Yeah. Like it's, I just feel like as if, you know, like especially where we grew up, it's an old, very old town and there was like sieges and stuff happening so there would be you know, yeah like, we were even talking about we did it on our first halloween series when we were interviewing some people and uh, we were talking about ghosts in drama in our town but yeah i have just not been lucky enough to see any i think as well because of the, like the country and like the religion we grew up in mm-hmm. um like even though we wouldn't partake in that religion by like any kind of stretch in the imagination, but mm-hmm. it like, it's always been something that's there. And then because of where we are, like in the world, like horror movies have always kind of like a lot of poltergeists and a lot of hauntings and stuff like that. So there, that's like part of the backbone of our growing up, mm. like horror experiences. And then we both grew up beside graveyards and we're just spooky bitches yes so like it's there are always some people who are fortunate or unfortunate I think if if my house was haunted I don't know if I'd be all that happy about it because then you're like someone else is here messing with my shit and making noises and whatever yeah it Um, depends if it's Casper the friendly ghost or is it like you know I'm gonna make you leave this house by being such a dick to you Um, is it paranormal activity level or is it Is it good? Is it it here for my soul? Yeah. So did you know, Grace, that according to recent surveys, as many as three quarters of Americans believe in the paranormal, with nearly one in five claiming to have actually seen a ghost? I'm actually Um, surprised that three quarters believe in it. That's cool. Yeah. So it was basically the articles I was reading. um, This was an American one. um, But it's. I'd say if you were to randomly talk to some people down on the street you probably would get a lot of them would be spiritual thinking of of ghosts and stuff like that and, and then you have some people who are like no I don't believe in that crap um but intrigued by these persistent beliefs psychologists have started to look at why some of us can't shake off old superstitions and folklore their findings may suggest some hidden virtues 
to believing in the paranormal. At the very least, it should cause you to question whether you hold more insidious beliefs about the world. That's obviously a little bit more, not conspiracy theory, but people who believe in just, you know, a lot of the superstitions. And it obviously you can fall down the, the rabbit hole of, of like with me, internet searching about this, and you're like, oh God. So some paranormal experiences are easily explainable based on faulty activity in the brain. Reports of poltergeists and visibly moving objects are seen to be consistent with damage to certain regions of the right hemisphere that are responsible for visual processing. Certain forms of epilepsy, meanwhile, can cause the spooky feeling that a presence is stalking you close by. Perhaps underlying accounts of faces shadow people lurking in the surroundings. That's obviously very technical. I'm not saying that anyone who feels like as if they're, they're being haunted by a ghost is having some sort of brain issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so out-of-body experiences, meanwhile, are now accepted as neuro- neurological phenomena, while certain visual illusions could confound the healthy brain and create mythical beings. For an example, a young Italian psychologist looked into the mirror one morning to find a grizzled old man staring back at him. His later experiments confirmed that the illusion is surprisingly common when you look at your reflection in the half-light, perhaps because the brain struggles to construct the contours of your face, so it begins to try and fill in the missing information even if it leads to the appearance of skulls, old hags, or hideous animals. I've never had it where in a grizzled version of myself looks back unless I am left my makeup on from the night before and I'm hungover. That can only be the time I'm like, oh God, it's a demon. Oh no, it's demon. Yeah, it's, I was just about to say, it's happened to me many times, but it's usually <laughs> self-inflated. <laughs> what about just this morning? I was like, who's that hag? Oh, it's me. Um, so psychologists studying religion have long suspected that a belief in the paranormal can be a kind of shield from the even harsher truths of the world. The idea is that something, when something unexpected happens, it's death or natural disaster or even job loss. The brain's on the ground for answers, looking for meaning in the chaos. Uh, however, investigations into why we think we see ghosts or etc. Um, they're not new. Throughout history, scientists who have entertained theories on ghosts, magic, and the afterlife were discredited by their peers and condemned for tarnishing the rational foundations of discipline. Even Isaac Newton carefully downplayed his interest in alchemy to preserve his reputation as the father of modern science. And um, Victorian Britain experienced the golden age of the literary ghost story when imaginations ran wild at the very thought of the supernatural. But at the same time, there seemed no dark corner that a rational scientific mind couldn't illuminate. Researchers such as John, oh, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, Furrier, Furrier, God knows. Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, and Samuel Hibbert were keen to clear up all the talk of phantoms. These physicians interpreted sightings of ghosts not as external entities, but as the product of glitches in the brain or after images from overstimulated optical nerves. For such theories, the supernatural originated in the darkest recesses of the mind with all its self-delusions. But many people enjoyed entertaining these self-delusions. From its origins in upstate New York in 1848, spiritualism, the belief that spirits of the dead could communicate with the living, spread to Britain in the 1850s. One of its appeals was that it seemed to offer observable empirical evidence of the influence of spirit world in our material surroundings. During seances, spirits could supposedly cause furniture to lift and move. The eminent physician Michael Faraday set out to clear up these strange happenings. He was a keen experimenter and he had devised an effect to prove that the phenomenon had nothing to do with ghosts 
and it was just unconscious muscle movement of those participating in the seance. Like, I suppose if you are, now not that I've ever even tried one, and I know you wouldn't try one, but like a Ouija board, you never truly know if it's like. Yeah, is it somebody pushing? Is it, like, is it your self-conscious? Like, yeah, that could be, if you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah, but there's like you're looking for an answer for a question that you might have asked in your head and you're answering it yourself kind of thing. Um, so scientists from various fields were engaged in the march of the intellect and attempt to diminish the reality of a person's experiences with ghosts to tr- or do tricks of the mind or other quirks of human perception, which I, I don't know why there is that. Obviously, I'm not from 1850s England. But just thinking of people who are going out of their way to quash. Because obviously, like a lot of people would have gone to seances at the time. I read up once before that like the rise of spiritualism happened because there was such war going on in like Europe at the time. It was pre-World War One, but there were still loads of wars happening. And I think there was just so many people wanted to be able to speak to their dead loved ones. So mm-hmm. I don't see now obviously you have people who are like happily taking your money off you and lying to your face but there's still a certain amount of comfort that people would have gotten so yeah and that's why I've kind of like I feel like some of these scientists I don't know if they were getting you know their jollies by basically ruining people's thoughts that oh you weren't you know they weren't communicating to your dead brother or father or whatever um it's a load of hogwash so it's I kind of like as I was researching this I was like oh these scientists they just you know like the march of the intellect as they called it I just felt like as if "Mm, are you what joy are you getting in disproving this like it's one of the when I talk about the film I had later on it's about these two podcasters and one is a skeptic and one is a firm believer and the skeptic takes such joy in putting them down and that's mainly because the guy who's such a believer does not do any research he just believes with like an opening sentence yes yeah yeah and that's why it works but if it, if you didn't know what they were about you're like god he's cruel to this man yeah I was kind of like I'm not happy when I was researching that like into debunking I know it was my idea to do this but it's just kind of like I we're only talking about events that had been debunked but we're not about debunking this for people no it's kind of like and it's funny the two that I actually looked at I told my sister about them I was like oh we're doing debunked stuff and she was like oh my god what's debunked and I told her the two and the first one she was like was that actually debunked and I was like well there's kind of funny stuff that happens with it and like this is one of the reasons she's like oh yeah that's a bit dodgy and then the second one she was like oh no I fully believe that and I was like actually the more I watched about it the more I believed it um Mm. so yeah I was kind of like I was saying to Emer before we came on, I was like, she'd probably be like, you had one job and you're coming on going, so this debunked one, I feel is actually really true. Um, like, I mean, I know we're talking about um, paranormal events or hauntings or whatever that had been debunked. That's not to say like, you will always have your believers in these things. You see, that's the thing. You're kind of like, there's going to be people who totally believe that it happened. There's going to be people who totally believe it, they, it didn't. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm kind of like, I hope it didn't happen because it's scary that it could have, but also like it just, it, especially with the second one that I looked at, there were just too many people who saw stuff. And I just can't imagine that an entire like group of people decided to come together. 
like mm. from totally different walks of life and go, no, this is hundred percent true. And their stories have never wavered. And it's not like in that case where, you know, you have somebody and you're like, oh, they murdered someone and their story has never changed, which is unusual. It's not that kind of it's never changed. It's just that like they're like, no, it did happen. Like, you know, and like I think they're all people who would have been very much like if you told them it happened to you, they'd be like, fuck off. No, it didn't. Do you yeah. know? <laughs> I can't imagine that these people were like going mad into looking at stuff beforehand. Um. But yeah, it's funny. My sister was like, no, 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 that one definitely happened. And then the other one is kind of probably the most famous of. Oh, of do you want to get started off with one of them? Yes. So my first one, it's funny. I was going to start with my second one, but I'm actually going to start with my first one. So, um, which made no sense because nobody knew that that was the order that I was going to do. So <laughs> it was really just for myself. <laughs> so the one that I'm going to do first is probably the most, um, famous one that you would think of when you're thinking about hauntings and debunkings and like possible debunkings and stuff like that and like was there actually something involved or what so it's the Amityville Horror so on the 13th of November in 1974 uh, there was a mass murder in um, the this house in Amityville and um, everyone will know the house it's like one of the most recognized houses ever um if you're into horror or paranormal or anything like that at all um even like when you go buy a house and it's a bit creepy you're like oh that's giving me Amityville horror vibes like mm-hmm. so basically the the DeFeo family lived in this house um there was I think three boys and two girls and the mother and the father and they owned a um car dealership um so on the night of the 13th of November um, everyone barred the eldest boy, uh, Ronald J. DeFeo Jr., um, was murdered mm. and was like shot in their beds. Like they were all lying down in the beds, like shot in the back and stuff like that. And um, he was the one surviving person. So I watched a documentary about this um, on YouTube, but it was a Channel 4 documentary. So I'd say you'd be able to find it on 4OD if you're in Ireland or the UK. Um, but you can definitely get it on YouTube as well. Ooh. And it's the Amityville Horror documentary. <laughs> it's about <laughs> an hour long. Um, so it starts off talking about the um, the DeFeo murders. There was a bit of spe- spe- sorry, speculation around kind of like what had happened, who did it. They had um, a car dealership. So this business, they also had, um, they were saying this very obvious Italian surname. And I was like, I would not have thought that as an Italian surname. But mm-hmm. there was kind of talk about was this the mafia? Was the mob kind of involved? Was there like money linked to it and stuff like that? But it seemed to have been across the town that like the minute people were asked, they were like, oh, it was the son. Like it was Ronald. He definitely did it. And there was one guy. He was a bar owner in Amityville, which is about an hour outside of New York. And he said that he listened to the radio and they had said that everybody in the house bar, uh, sorry, everybody who had died they mentioned and he was like they hadn't said Ronald's name and I turned around to my wife and I was like oh he did it like he 100% did it so after a while he was 
to, he was kind of there. They say he was the number one suspect, but instead of taking him in as the suspect, they took him in for protective custody because was it him? Was it somebody else? Was it a case of they were trying to kind of appease him so that like he didn't feel like he was rattled by any thing there? Mm-hmm. That um that actually he he had kind of like if it was him gotten away with it. So after a while they did charge him and he did um he did actually admit to killing his um parents and his brothers and his sisters. He was particularly close to his brothers and one of his sisters. Um it doesn't say that he had any issues with the other sister. It's just that he was closer with the other one. So it wasn't a case of like, you know, he had bad blood there. Um now it seems like the father was quite a bit of a bad guy that he used to um there used to be fights in the house quite a lot that um it, Roger's friends sorry Roger Ronald's friends had actually <laughs> said that they wouldn't go to the house because they were scared of his father um that they had actually witnessed the father beating the mother on multiple occasions um and that they had thought maybe this was actually Ronald getting back at his father maybe just um, or something yeah, but actually they they said as well, one thing that was touched on as well was that he had such a loving mother and she was really, really like there for him. So while he was going through his, he, he actually says, because he's in the documentary as well, so there's a few clips of him. And the one thing that I would say, like he is so like Charles Manson, it's crazy. Oh. And they mention this, they turn around and they say, oh, he has the kind of crazy eyes of like circa kind of Charles Manson in the 60s and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I thought of when I saw him. And he says like, he's like, technically I'm the Amityville horror like because I'm the one who killed my family in the house and I was like (laughs) oh wow and then he talks about he says that he did it he then got into his car he went to his friends and brought his friends back to the house now there's talk about whether or not he did it himself like were there accomplices then there's this kind of conversation around the fact that apparently what the, the weapon that was used would have been heard like five blocks away, but nobody heard a thing and nobody got out of their bed. So like one person was shot, like nobody in the house then woke up and was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like somebody's been shot. Um, they all stayed in their bed and they were all killed. Um, Then they talk about the fact that like there wasn't any like sign that they were tied down or like sedated or anything like that so there was then this kind of like oh was there something else involved I kind of always thought that before he went on the stand there was talk about whether or not he was insane a sound mind um and I thought they they went in with the defense that actually it was the devil who was speaking to him and he wasn't of sound mind he said oh. that he was on the stand and he was talking about everything. And there was a priest in attendance at the um at the trial. And the priest was kind of like, the devil is in him. Like the devil made him do it. Now, 
we're from like what we were talking about earlier where we were educated within the catholic system like i can imagine somebody like some old one being like oh there's the devil in him yeah. oh. and it's like it's just he's a little shit like yeah <laughs> it's not yeah. physically that the devil is possessing him but he kind of ran with this and was like definitely definitely the devil so he says in one of his testimonies then that and one of his confessions when he's talking about it that he was in his house he woke up he he could hear his family plotting to kill him and that this woman with black hands came up and handed him the revolver or the shotgun um and he he then went and killed them all because it was going to be a case of that he was going to be killed or that this or he was going to kill mm-hmm. um, and this this demon gave him the um, gun That's there was, handy. <laughs> like super handy you know. there was also talk about the fact that he was quite close to the other sister and it seemed that there was a little bit of talk that they were very close oh, no. <laughs> to the point of incest was questioned now I kind of find it hard to kind of be like you know that's something like the girl is dead do you know it's an easy thing to then then turn around and be like mm. oh they were together yeah um but one of the theories is that they came together and they were going to kill the fam- the parents together uh, Ronald took something that night and was a little bit off his face. Mm. Um, and there were reports that somebody saw his sister come out of the house in like this hooded black kind of um, attire and put a shotgun into the car, drive it off. And it was where that's where the shotgun was actually found. Oh, so there was a thought that actually they were supposed to do it together and they were just supposed to kill the parents. Um, but she did it herself because he was too off his face to do it. And um, that she actually went a bit mad and killed the rest of the family. Ronald kind of comes to and is like, what the fuck did you do? And kills her because she is actually the only one that has like more of an overkill. Oh, so the the rest of them are kind of killed in a certain way, but she she's like there's more to her killing. So this was kind of talked about, obviously, quite um, mm-hmm. publicly. And three months later, the Lutz family purchased the Amityville Horror like DeFeo family home. Mm-hmm. They say that they spoke about what happened in the house. Um, they all decided that, yeah, look, this is obviously a very unfortunate event, but like we can get this house for $80,000. It's an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do it. They were a newly married couple. Um, they had, um, Mrs. Lutz had, a, had children from a previous um, relationship. So they were this new blended family. Um, they lived there for 28 days. When they arrived, um, 
a friend of um, Mr. Lutz had said, look, I'd strongly advise that you would actually get the house blessed because, you know, of what happened there. Yeah, it's not the usual thing to have happened. He gets blessed. The priest is kind of like, oh, I can kind of feel something in one of the rooms. Um, there was like this infestation of flies in the house. Um, it was the middle of winter. This was very unusual. Um, Mr. Lutz then kind of started to change. He was very irritable. Um, they said his personal hygiene changed. And I was like, same at times, same. Um, and that he was outside chopping wood quite a lot. <laughs> so then, of course, I just thought of Ryan Reynolds. Oh, um, yeah. So this all happened. They still don't talk about what actually transpired on the night that they left the house. But um, there were a few things happening. So he had changed. Um, the wife was kind of like starting to feel things like she'd feel hands on her shoulders. She'd get a bad feeling, a bad vibe. And the little girl had said that she had a new friend that is called Jody, And Jody appeared to her as a big pig. Um. And Jody was uh, a great, uh, you know, this great friend who was like, I'm so glad that you're going to live here forever. The husband talks about one of the things that he thought was really unusual the very first day that they um, they moved in. This bit, I'm kind of like, oh, OK. Um, so their dog, he says, tried to take its own life. <laughs> it jumped over the fence but because it's like chain was too small it essentially kind of hung itself oh. until they found the dog now he is claiming that the dog was aware that if he jumped the fence that the the chain would be too small and he would take his own life and um, because he was too scared I kind of was like it's a new house the dog jumped you know yeah. I don't know I was a bit like I think a dog might not try to kill themselves I think if a dog was really scared or whatever they just be run away loads and stuff yeah that too yeah yeah I don't know that one I was kind of like all right love, no bother. <laughs> so they got in touch That's with a few people and they were like look this is what's happening and there was a a couple that um they got in touch with and they were from this like public kind of service place that like investigates entities and stuff like that. And they were look, like, look, we will 100% come. We don't charge anything. The only thing is you have to be aware if we find anything that we don't believe is going on, we will say that publicly. If we find that it is 100% true, we'll say that publicly. And if we feel that you are taking the piss and making this up, we will also say that publicly. So they were like, yeah, no, that's fine. And then the day before they were supposed to arrive, um, they got a call from the husband and he was very upset. And he was like, I am absolutely horrified. Your husband spoke about our case. We don't want any publicity at all and we can't believe you've done this and we no longer want you to come oh so she was a bit like oh right okay really sorry about that god 
um, we didn't mean to like offend. And then she was like, and then I found out that morning they had done a press conference about the house. So she was like, that was when alarm bells kind of started going off. She was like, this is really dodgy. Like, why did they do a press conference, then ring us and be like, how dare you talk about this publicly? Then she found out that the press conference was actually organized by the DeFeo defense attorney. So oh, he had reached yeah. out to them and been like, oh, you're having a haunting, are you? Let's have a bit of a press conference about this so we can say that haunting happened to you and mm-hmm. also to my client who was just there long enough to actually kill his family. So they go to that. So it's a bit sus that, you know, the defense attorney and she says it herself. She's like, why the fuck was he even involved in that? Like, she's yeah. like, I just straight away was like, oh, this is a big hoax. So a lot of people get involved and kind of quite famously and probably the most famous like couple um, out there are the Warrens. So they go and a lot of other kind of like uh, clairvoyants and like psychics go as well. And they have a seance um, and this other psychic is there and she's talking about it. And she says that she was sitting there and there were like loads of people in front of her, like in cloaks. And she got like holy water and she's like, get away from me, devil behind me. And she was like, you could hear it like like it was like something falling on like hot tin or something oh and then um like for whatever reason I can't remember the Warren's first names oh Ed and Lorraine Ed and Lorraine so Lorraine turns around and she was like walking around the house and she turns around and she said I was in one of the rooms and I said I hope this is the closest I ever get to hell there's definitely something here so she Ooh, fully believed it. Good, it sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. So she 100 percent believes it. She's like, this is the most haunted place in the world, house in the world, blah, 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 blah. They are taking photos kind of systematically, like I don't know if that's the right word, but they were taking loads of photos. Mm-hmm. The one room that um all the photos were in, uh, well, like one of the rooms that like in particular, these photos were in. The the woman who was going through these photos, right, was pregnant at the time. <laughs> and whenever she came to a photo of like this doorway, the baby would jump inside her. And I was like, or oh, kick. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's not. Yeah. <laughs> the baby was so startled. What did they jump from? <laughs> just, just jumping from bulldog guys. Mm-hmm. But there is actually a photo where there's very clearly a little boy looking out of the doorway and they're like there were no children there 100% not um the father is like I then spoke to my daughter and um she was like oh that's the little boy I used to play with and they were like what (laughs) um so the the thing is they like the lots is 100% double down on it they're like it 100% happened like they left the house it went back to the bank the bank auctioned off all of their stuff that was in the house and they moved like to California they were like fuck this we're not staying here at all now there was like always talk between people who were like look come on tell your story we have the rights for a movie and a book the book an Amityville horror a true story came out 
and it was huge I think they said like the first kind of release they did like 250,000 releases or like 25 I can't remember but they were like this kind of unheard of for the first mm. release of a book and it would like like it became a phenomenon now the one the woman who was kind of like oh it's always been a bit sus was kind of like this is also off the back of the exorcist the book and the movie yeah. she was like like there was a huge want for this kind of thing yeah. um and she was like he also took serious artistic licenses with this book like he's an author and oh yeah apparently he turned around and he was like I just wanted to I wanted to write a book where I could retire on and never have to write another book again at one stage he said to somebody he was like you'll still be in this town but I'll be in like the Bahamas or something with a drawer full of cashmere sweaters and you'll have nothing and the guy was like I just laughed straight in his face and was like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) so this guy had kind of said look do you know like yeah like it's I I relayed the story that was told to me he and the father is like oh he was total skeptic so he wrote it really well for the fact that he didn't believe a thing was telling him. then the movie came along and um they said that that took serious artistic licenses like your mom the dad was like oh like when they have all of the flies like like attacking the priest he was like Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't just do it normally like it doesn't make sense like the way it actually happened um and he's taken such umbrage to the new one which isn't new anymore he's actually sued the company (gasps) now I probably should have looked up like what happened to that afterwards but I didn't so if you want to have a look look. um but there is a guy who is like look all of it can be be explained 100% and he goes through some of the reasons why certain things were happening um and he like he says that the whole fly thing he was like look those bodies were left there for 48 hours doors were closed Mm. it was like so if they moved in three months after that was November November December January February um yeah so he was like like there were dead bodies in the house like there's going to be flies the only thing is I'm kind of like would they still be there three months later so I was like I don't know if that's the most definitive thing I've ever heard yeah um but the Lutz is very much double down they believe this happened um they still before like unless they totally planned because like that I remember they weren't like well off they just bought a house and they left it within four weeks yeah so 28 days and so there was talk as well about the pig right mm-hmm. so he was saying also the pig can be debunked <laughs> the neighbor right he's like oh my my wife had a Siamese cat or was it like a Burmese cat or something okay. he's like yeah she had this like really fancy cat that used to jump up to the little girl's window and look in the window and apparently this cat had red eyes now, sometimes like if you take, you know, if you take a photo of a cat, they do have yeah. red eyes. Yeah. Um, so they were like, and apparently the father used to call it the pig because it was such a fat cat. So I was like, oh, OK, that's a bit of a coincidence. All right. Yeah. Um, so they were like, oh, yeah, it can totally be debunked. 
so there's a lot of people who genuinely believe it and I think as well because like the Warrens so fully are like oh no this genuinely happened um and they're so famous and especially like after the conjuring and stuff like that like it's so huge um and they're so huge um that there is always and like this movie has spawned a thousand movies like I have to say it's gotta be one of there's like there's 20 odd isn't it crazy it's absolutely crazy any horror franchise yeah and the thing is like I love the original I love Mm. the remake Mm -hmm. and like it's one of those scary stories that you kind of want it to be true you do you really do because it's so it's just so yeah it's such a good premise yeah and the thing is I think the thing about the movies is because they actually don't go too much into the true part of it like what actually happened beforehand like they Mm -hmm. they do obviously you do know the story and stuff like that but they don't like it's not about that story it's about the aftermath and so you're kind of like well nothing actually happened this time (laughs) everybody was fine so you're kind of like oh it's okay now the people who have since bought it and anyone who's ever been in it since doesn't has never had an issue with it since and apart from the fact that you've got like people coming up to your house all the time I would say so like mental you've had to change the address like the name oh yeah yeah in the hope of like but the thing is like you'd need to like seriously restore the front of that house and make it not no like um so yeah it's I don't know if it's a full debunk now people would say it is famously the most like non-haunting haunting that has ever happened yeah. um but there are people who still genuinely believe yeah yeah um like it's, it's it is it's just a great story great films yeah um and that sounds like a very interesting documentary what was Actually, it called it was again? good it was on um it was on youtube just called mm-hmm. the amityville documentary um the, Mr. Lutz is like the picture on the front of it, like okay. him aged. Um, so yeah, and it's really good. And even the fact that you see your man, who's yes. like, technically, I'm, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I am, um, yeah. I'd really recommend actually watching it. Um, it's only it's literally under the hour, and while I say under the hour, it's like fifty nine minutes. Um, <laughs> But it's really good. Um, okay. Yeah, very informative. Yes. Um, so I only did one film and then the other one I have is just a story of a, a haunting being debunked. So the film I'm doing, it's it's so, it's, it's a bit of a mishmash of debunking. So the premise of it is, it's called a parapod, a very British ghost hunt. And the parapod is basically, it started out as a podcast series. And it's, two guys, Barry Dodds and Ian Boldsworth. Barry Dodds is a believer in all things paranormal and Ian Boldsworth is a hardened skeptic. But he always says, he's like, I'm not here to purposely debunk you. He's like, I just want you to prove to me that it's real. This is what they did throughout their whole episodes of the podcast where he'd tell him the haunting stories and Ian would just have a series of questions and like a house of cards everything would collapse because Barry 
famously never research things properly. Essentially us. Yes. (laughs) I would not stand up to any questions. Okay. No, I was going to say I never researched properly you're you're so good at researching and I'm always like so I watched this movie and this is my theory <laughs> but I only read like one article I wouldn't you know if there was something else disproving I'd be like oh I didn't read that one or you know like because there's so much you can't do that you can't do all this stuff because the internet is just it's too vast um mm-hmm. but it was a I remember like listening to this podcast years ago and I thought it was brilliant so funny and so what they did was they, um, on their Patreon, they crowdfunded and they got this film made. And it's like the first ever film made by a podcasting group. So it's it's just brilliant. And so the premise of this is like, it was something that was done in their podcast episode where it was like, Barry would take in, he'd be a taxi driver and he would drive him around to haunt and look at, you know, obviously theoretically in um, the podcast. And so the, what they do is they actually drive around England for the film. And uh, Ian gets this, it's a tricked out hearse mm-hmm. and with the PowerPod logo up on it. And it's, it's brilliant. It's, Ian is just like, he's like a little kid. He's so excited. And Barry's like, he goes to pick up Barry. He wasn't expecting the hearse. And he's just like, he's so embarrassed. And he's like, because he's from the North. I think he's from... He's a Geordie, uh, which is from Newcastle. Um, and he's like, oh, people are, you know, there's, there's hardened criminals here. I can't be seen driving in this. <laughs> but anyway, so it's, they, it's so funny even just to begin with. They're meant to be driving through an area. You just see Barry with like some printed out sheets and they're meant to be finding a place where on the stretch of road, there was like a headless horseman and they're looking around. And then it turns out that they're not even in the village like Bar- uh, Barry's directions are so bad they're not even in the place where they're meant to be oh my god <laughs> and to write well, like they do this so well they have a few talking heads which they use kind of sparingly about why people would believe in in ghosts and hauntings and all this um <laughs> Ian takes Barry to a skeptics convention which did not know it existed and he's like he's like I want you to talk about hauntings and he's like, but they, they don't want me there. He wasn't even like, I think they had like slotted him in, but uh, yeah, he had no, you could just see the reaction from the crowd. It was like, no one cared. And it was brilliant. Um, and then they go to, they go to, I think about a handful of locations. And uh, they go to Edinburgh where there is um, a labyrinth that was meant to be like haunted by witches and a white witch takes them. And I think, Barry wanted to put a curse on Ian or he wanted a witch to do it, but the witch had retired. This was how little research he'd done on it. He must have looked like, must have looked at an old webpage and yeah, caught the name of the witch, but that witch had retired. So the curse couldn't be done, so Barry had to try and do the curse himself. And, but he, it was just like, but then when there was this one scene in the um, haunted labyrinth where Ian legit or no sorry Barry legitimately thinks he saw a ghost and I mean you could even see it the look of fear but what really works between them two is even though like Ian's a skeptic and takes the piss out of Barry constantly he was concerned for him and he was like I know he genuinely thinks he saw something and what happens then at that stage 
Barry goes home, like back to Newcastle, wherever the hell he's living. And so it's, you just see like that some time has passed and then Ian manages to talk Barry into doing, getting back into it. But it's the way that they even meet is they meet at a church and Ian is, uh, Barry is trying to like square things with God. He's become religious because he's like, after what I saw, he goes, I don't, you know, in case I die, I have to yeah. become. And yeah. then he's like, you're, you're talking about Catholicism and we are in a Protestant church. Like he's, he even gets it wrong. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I just want to, you know, be at one with God. And so it's just, it's just so funny. And um, there's this, they go to uh, 30 East Drive in Pontefract, which is, it's one thing that they keep going back to in the podcast is basically, it's what The Conjuring 2, it's that house, I think. I think it's that house. I'm not 100%. Oh, 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 okay. And, um, but it's like, you had some people who were in the house and then you had like some people who were neighbours and Ian is basically, because the, the neighbours are there saying, oh, I can talk to the spirits. And Ian is just, there was the best scene in it where she's getting really pissed off at Ian because Ian's just like, because she she twitched her knee and then she's like, oh yeah, that was a spirit, but I didn't want to bring attention to it because Ian points it out. And he's like, I could do that. I'm like, ooh, oh, a spirit just touched my shoulder. And then she gets <laughs> really pissed off him. And she goes, you're coming in here. I'm like the big I am and he goes no it's Ian and she goes what and he goes it, my name's Ian <laughs> oh, I, it just it cracks me up because he has I tell you he's, he's just got he's got balls of steel because he will you know the way most of us wouldn't be confrontational but he doesn't care he's just like yeah. you're talking a load of bollocks yeah mm. he's like he, he sounds like somebody who'd actually kind of love yes uh, now he did direct real. this and he wrote it. Um, so people are like, oh, he could edit it in such a way to make that Barry look bad and all that. And um, I'm like, no, no, Barry made Barry look bad. But um, also you feel that like if if at any stage you were re-listening to our podcast or like somebody wrote to him, it's like, by the way, like you come off as a dick. Is that like because you are or is it because Grace is like editing it? I think you'd be like, Grace, I'm not doing it with you anymore. Stop editing me really Stop badly. Me look bad. I'm getting death threats now. Like fucking hell. Yeah. Um, it's a very good film. We, myself and Chris, we bought it on YouTube. Like Chris, as I say, he's not into horror films anymore. And it's more like they're going to haunted locations. And, the, you know, that's what Ian keeps saying. He goes, if we capture something, if we see something, all the more better. He goes, but he's such a disbeliever in ghosts that he's like, we're not going to see anything because they yeah. don't exist. So it's just, it's a very good film. It's just, it's so funny. But I remember like when I was looking this up, I was looking up on IMDb and they had some reviews by people. <laughs> people who didn't know that they started out as podcasters and they thought that they were just genuinely two guys thought that they'd go ghost hunting. I'm like, oh, you're not getting the premise of that at all. So if anyone, like you could... You could totally just watch this off the back of not 
um yeah i think i don't even think you can you can rent it on youtube but i think we just bought it so that we could have it yeah um, it sounds brilliant i definitely want to watch it oh, it's just it's so good um and they have it's not on spotify which is a big boo but their their podcast just is called the PowerPod, and we've listened to it off apple i don't know if there's any other podcast that you can listen to but i just genuinely think if anyone is just looking for the crack and it's it's a great podcast to listen to, but even if you don't want to spend time doing that, just just watch this and but just know that it's off the back of they had been doing a podcast where yeah. Barry is trying to prove haunted locations to Ian and Ian just quick and easily just asks a few choice questions and then Barry can't answer them because he hasn't done the proper research and it's just it it works so well together. Like they are two comedians who like that had built up a rapport from doing gigs together like it's not like as if they were childhood friends or anything like that yeah. they just met and it was Barry was obviously telling me about certain haunted things and you know like yeah whatever and that's how this whole thing started but at the end of the day like they just became good friends through it it's um, something like Carl Pilkington and Ricky Gervais yeah it, it's, it's yeah. very like that and it's very British I have to say like it's it's just brilliant and um, and they're like there's they even like record and they show that they're having like a fight with each other towards the end from something that happens and like I said I won't say it because it is done very well but you can kind of see it from as I said Ian is the one who directed and wrote it like he is also trying to make a film out of this yes so there are certain things that are there is one thing that was staged by Ian but um like none of them are actors, but I have to say that this is done very well. And for it, none of them being trained, I have to say, it's just you think, oh, would this work? Would this not work? You know, they're just two regular people who happen to be making a film together. And it's just done really well. And if anyone is interested in things being debunked or stuff like that, and even if anyone's just a believer, just just watch it. Oh, it sounds brilliant. It is. It, and Actually, after I was rewatching this for Chris, I'd say about a month or two ago, that's when I came up with the idea of how about we do debunking as an episode? So it was literally off the back of this film that I thought that this premise for our episode for the, today could be made up. Yeah. Well, so that's that. Totally recommend it to anyone. Oh, I definitely want to watch that. And actually, the great thing is you mentioned my next one. Oh. So it will make me kind of be like, so what did you think about it based on what you watched with these guys? Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So my one was the Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, then yeah, that's not then the Pontefract. Is that the Pontefract one? Did you not say that they were, um, they went to the house? Yeah. So I'm not 100% sure. That could be. The one that was in the, I thought it was the one that was in the Conjuring 2. Yeah, that's what the Conjuring 2 is. Ah, okay. So yeah. I'm sure probably if I'm wrong, someone's like, that's not that one here. Stop the English. But yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. So this one, um, it happened between 1977 and 1979 um, in Brimstone, Enfield, London, England. Um, and the Conjuring 2 is based on this. um this yeah this one is a funny one because a lot of people fully believe that the girls did this 
And a lot of people fully believe that there is no way that the girls could have done this and kept it going. So basically, um, there's two sisters and um, they were... They, it, one of them was getting um, kind of like they started to it, it all started they were in the bedroom one night their mom came up to give out to them and was like go to sleep you know we have stuff to do tomorrow stop making loads of noise and they were like it's not us there's something moving from furniture in our room and the mom was like yeah yeah cool just go the fuck to sleep then she turns around the dresser moves and she tries to move it back and it moves again. Then she tries to move it back again. She can't move it. So she's like, whoa. So a lot of stuff keeps happening. There's a lot of like movement in the house and noise in the house. They go next door. Their next door neighbor is actually a builder and he comes in and one of the sisters. So again, I actually watched a um, documentary on this. I think it was just called the end. Oh no, sorry. It was a pol- the Poltergeist interview or something like that. Oh. Um, uh, again, Channel 4. Um, I think I just put in uh, the Enfield Poltergeist Channel 4 into YouTube and it brought up the uh, documentary. I think there was a time that um, Channel 4 was doing kind of like spooky uh, documentaries because after the one for the Amityville Horror, they were like, and next week we're looking at the Vampire Chronicles. <laughs> so I imagine it all happened probably around uh, October. So they get the neighbor to come in. They're like, look, there's something going on in the house. And he was like, I went in. I could definitely hear everything. I'm a builder. I knew it wasn't structural. Um, and he was like, it wasn't any noise that you would hear from like creaking in the floor or that you would hear from anything else. Like it was just um, it, it wasn't a structural problem. It wasn't the pipes or anything like that. So the mother actually makes the decision to call the police. And she, because she's kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like, like in fairness, if something, if you kept hearing stuff in your house and like, you know, you're not ringing the Ghostbusters when you're living in London in the 70s, you know? So she quite like kind of sensibly is like, right, I'll ring the guards. So she rings the police. She goes, they come and they start taking um kind of, statements and stuff like this and there's a female police woman there and um she sees a chair move and she gives an account of this on an interview and um she says that she saw it lift about an inch off the floor and move across the room and she's like now i i checked was there a wire under the under the like the cushion so that i could see was it being pulled or or what was happening or and she said she put a marble down to see what that moved and it didn't move um so she was like I fully believed it I saw it with my own eyes that this had happened um but like there was nothing we could do so the police were kind of like look we're really sorry like we we totally realized that there's something going on but like this is totally out of our scope (laughs) (laughs) we have no idea how to help here so she did reach out to somebody and there is like this this kind of like society of like paranormal investigators but the thing is that this was actually made of up of people who were genuine skeptics who didn't believe anything like this and people who did believe Um, so you know a good yeah it's a good mix that you're kind of going where somebody would be like 
absolute hogwash. Do you know, there's no way that this is happening. I'll go and check it out. But I am um, sorry. I actually think there was a, a person from the newspaper got involved and he, they contacted this kind of society. Um, and it was a guy who was working for the Daily Mirror. And he was like, literally, I could have been writing about anything like I was writing about fashion one day. I was writing about something else. And this story came across my desk. So I went and I checked it out. Then I got in contact with this place. There was a guy who had gotten involved in this um, society because his daughter had recently passed. And her name was the same name as the, the daughter that the, kind of everything predominantly was happening to, Jackie. Mm. so he goes along now one thing that I watched said that he thought it was actually his daughter that was doing it um but the documentary that I watched on channel four well on YouTube from channel four didn't mention anything like that at all and he was heavily in it so I think he would have mentioned that mm. um so he starts talking he's like um yeah I was there for a little while there was definitely things happening um, and he was like, I just realized I was totally out of my depth. So I, I did need to call other people in. Which I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like he's not going to keep trying himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few things happened um, during the time um, that there, there was the haunting. Um, one is kind of the main thing that like if you were to see, you've seen the photo, you just might know what the photo is of uh, you might know it's in relation to this poltergeist or this haunting um it's a young girl levitating above her bed it looks like she's kind of like it's almost like she's doing like a karate move in midair <laughs> um now i had never seen because i watched a watch cult what culture uh, video on debunked uh, paranormal pictures before watching any of this and they I had never seen the series of photos that was prior to this photo so if you put them all together the guy from the Daily Mail had this thing downstairs that if they heard anything they were able to take photos from downstairs of the girls bedrooms and the girls shared a room so if you put all the photos together, it does look like Jackie got up, stood in her bed, jumped, jumped, jumped. Do you know that kind of way? Mm. It does, Like if you had a flip book, that's exactly the way it would have happened. But uh, the sister and the little brother in the bed um, across from her, they're clearly terrified in the photo. Um, so in the walk culture, they were like, oh, that's how it's debunked. Like you can see it's clearly her just jumping about the place. Um, but they're saying they were like it's, it's like it's just not like it's absolutely not uh, there was one stage where uh, Jackie was asleep she woke up she was on top of her dresser her uncle came in and he was like oh she was on this dresser like and on top of the small radio and like she was her back was like arched over and her head was gone back and her legs were on the wall and she was just like how am I here and he was like oh I don't know um so another um like a female kind of journalist or um she was I think she was like a a news reporter she was saying that it was kind of quite a slow day and they were like look if we can't get anything else you're gonna have to go to this um this haunting and check it out and she was like oh right okay so she went but she's like I fully everything that happened I saw it like it's like this wasn't fake and there was another guy who went as well and he kind of was into the 
investigation. He said he was going to go twice and he ended up staying for 14 months. Oh, wow. In this house. Now, they were talking about like generally before something bad like this happens with a poltergeist, that something bad in a house will have happened. So their parents had broken up. Uh, before this happened now they broke up when the girls were like nine um and like 11 so it was like two years so there was two years between the breakup and this so it wasn't like they broke up and suddenly there was a poltergeist you know that kind of way now the one thing is that the girls have admitted that they did do some of it ah um so they said the guy was like, um, I came in one day and uh, Jackie came down and was like, oh, the poltergeist has taken your um, your tape recorder. And he was like, all oh, right, OK. And he went upstairs and he looked for it and he found it. And he was like, little did she know I was recording the entire night. So I heard her say to her sister, why don't we just hide the tape recorder and pretend that it was a poltergeist? Oh, uh, yeah. OK. And then they got somebody in who performed hypnosis on her and they were like, who is doing this? And she said, it's my sister and myself. And then he said, do you know who is doing this? And she was like, no. So he felt that they were her answer with my sister and myself was that they were physically doing the things like they were levitating. They were this, but it was by somebody else. Um, they have a lot of like recordings from the time and like it, audio recordings. So they're doing something. And he, he, the man said that it, like one of the guys who was investigating, he turns out and he goes, oh, we were all there one day and you could hear this dog bark. And he was like, not an unusual thing, but they don't have a dog. Oh, and they play it. And it's very clearly a dog barking. Yeah. And he said that he realized if it could bark, it could probably talk um so he was like can you talk it's it like say my name and it barks again um so then the demon the entity the poltergeist starts to, to talk through Jackie now Jackie has always said she didn't feel it was talking through her she felt it was talking behind her um I suppose the whole thing is if you're skeptical, you're kind of like, oh, it's it's fairly like coincidental that it started talking when your man started to ask, can you talk? And it's like, oh, yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I'm totally showing sure it. Yeah. Now, when she talks, it's real like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm this person. And they're kind of like, it's clearly not a little girl, do you know. And I was kind of like, oh, do you know, now it does sound quite low. Um, and they were saying that she would talk like that for like three hours. Now, not consecutively, but like over the span of three hours. And one of the, the, the female reporter was saying, like, I tried to do it. I did it for like a minute and my throat was sore for two days. She was like, I don't know how she would have done it. They also did kind of experiments like they actually brought loads of people into the house to kind of try and debunk it themselves. And they all they brought in a ventriloquist to see, like, why is she throwing her voice? And I was like, that's actually quite cool. But at one stage, they made her put water in her mouth and they ducked and they put like tape over her mouth and it still oh spoke. God. And I was like, clearly, that's terribly dangerous. 
Um, and they took the duct tape off or the tape and she spat out the water and they were like, nobody in the world would be able to do that. So these, she started to talk and she was like, oh, um, my name's Bill. And um, they were asking, like, how did you die? And oh, sorry, the guy who was there helping, he brought, he, he brought his son, who is an attorney, in to cross-examine the demon. No. I shit you not, Emer. This would have been better than The Conjuring 2. This is bananas, right? So he's there and um, he turns around and he's like, I wasn't allowed into the room. So I was on the other side of the door, like cross-examining this demon. But he was like, I really wanted to see if Jackie's mouth was moving. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I was thinking about it loads. And I kind of started to look in the crack of the door. And all I heard was, close the fucking door. And he was like, like, the demon read my mind. (laughs) It knew that I was looking through the crack in the door. Now, some people were kind of saying, like, also as an 11 year old girl being getting away with certain things that you would never get away with as an 11 year old through the guise of being possessed Mm -hmm. like he was the guy who was saying this was kind of like never would she be allowed to curse but because it was the poltergeist or it was Bill (laughs) doing it they couldn't give out to her so they were kind of like she kind of you know could have been this thing where you know she was like <laughs> I can say fuck and nobody can say a thing because it's not me it's Bill and they were saying that a lot of the conversations she was kind of having were quite juvenile and the wording that she would use were quite similar to what an 11 year old girl would say mm. so there's kind of skepticism about that they lived close enough to a graveyard and there was somebody there buried called Bill Uh, They reached out to the guy's son and um, while the attorney was cross-examining him, he was like, oh, I'll I'll ask him something now that, you know, will prove. So he's like, how how did you die? And um, he turns around and he says, I went blind. Um, I had a hemorrhage. Um, I died in my sleep and I, I was in a chair downstairs. They play this to Bill and Bill's son and Bill's son is like, yeah, my mom went out for a walk for 10 minutes, came back. Dad had had a bleed and he died and he was in his chair. And it was in the house that they lived. Okay. So, So it's kind of like, did they know that story? Yeah. Because somebody died in their house or was this actually bill now the guy who is like the the guy from the like society turns around he's like i don't know was this actually bill or was this a spirit who came in and was kind of being a bit jovial and was like i'm gonna pretend i'm bill and then i was thinking about the the um I was thinking about host and do you remember when she's like oh I can feel something around my neck and then she's like oh lol that never happened and then your one is like oh no you actually invited something in here I was like oh my god you can't pretend it's somebody else because then then holes still happen and you'll all fucking die oh jeez again 
fucking fantastic film. Amazing film. They have a new film out, um, Dashcam. Oh! And I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. We'll watch it together. I have a feeling that I'll be too scared. And um, I watched a film in the last couple of weeks and I kept jumping. And I was like, I don't know if this is good for me at the moment. It was like probably shouldn't be increasing my heart rate this much, and um, so I was kind of like, "There's definitely going to be." I'll watch it. I'll just describe it to you. Yeah, I was like, "There's definitely going to be horror movies that I'm going to be able to watch in the next couple of months." That's fine. Um, like nope and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and guaranteed the new Halloween. We just have to. Like, we just won't be able to watch it in that terrible cinema that we watched it in because that was more terrifying than anything. Um, But yeah, I was like, I'm definitely going to be able to watch some without being too scared. Um, But I don't know that I'll be able to watch that one. And I was like, that's a really good testament, though, for like the follow on movie um, that I'm kind of like, I am too scared to watch a movie because I'm yeah you hype it up so much that it you're going to be like freaked out by the opening like credits yeah and like yeah I was just like no it's probably not good for me at the moment hilarious um so basically yeah he's like I we don't know if it actually was but Bill's son 100% believed it was then they speak about how the family was actually like they were in a council house they didn't have that much money there wasn't much going on. So there's kind of like skeptics that are a bit like, you know, maybe they were hoping to make a bit of cash out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, the, the guy turns around, he's like, I sent them on a holiday for a week. He was just like, I felt, I, I just felt so awful for them. And I was really worried about them that they would like, you know just as his family that they would be falling apart and they just really really deserved a holiday so he sent them away to like a seaside town for a holiday for a week and I was like this man's just a really good guy um so Jackie is talking about how they had this lovely week and it was a week where they could just forget everything but they knew that they had to go back so when they went back it kind of intensified and all that stuff um all those great things And this is when the Warrens get involved again. So they arrive. And now they've actually probably arrived much earlier than this. um, Because, you know, The Conjuring 2 is based on this entire story. So they didn't just come in at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lorraine comes. She's actually in the documentary as well. And the two sisters are there. And they were like, you were just so kind to our family. Like you were so nice to us. And she's like, she was like, oh, I just wanted to look after this family as well. And like, it's this really emotional kind of um, this reunion. And like, it's, it's quite sad. Like, and they're really like, thank you so much. And she's like, I just can't believe that you were just kids then. Like, you know, um, and it's quite heartwarming to see. Um, and Lorraine Warren definitely says that this is one of the worst cases that she ever worked on. Like it really was horrific. Um, then they kind of start to talk about how these like poltergeists and they talk about the meaning of poltergeist where it's actually just kind of like a noisy spirit. Um, it's not, it's, it's not actually technically like the, the, um, the definition of it isn't like this, 
terrible demon. It's just that it would be a bit of a noisy kind of rowdy spirit. So it's not that essentially, it's not that automatically if you had a poltergeist, you're going to end up like murdering your partner and throwing him against the camera like it happens in uh, paranormal activity. It just means that there's going to be shit happening um, and it's going to get a bit noisy. So he explains that obviously after a while, these things kind of start to um, calm down and stuff. Uh, But they decide to send um, Jackie to a hospital to get her evaluated to make sure like this isn't anything like you were saying, like epilepsy or, you know, is it something within her brain? Mm -hmm. Is she actually, you know, what what is going on here? on her, yeah. Yeah, kind of going like, okay, we've looked at this, but let's just make sure um and it's something that i i kept thinking of um that movie that i did a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, around easter and it's the one with anthony hopkins and uh, the guy from drada and he was like oh like, the rice i think yeah and they have to basically rule out any um any chance that it might actually be like a a mental illness or like an actual physical illness or anything like that um and it was something that I thought about as well with the with the Amityville horror where it was kind of like in the right he says that like you know we do these exorcisms and he was the other guy is like but do they actually work and he's like but does it matter if they work if the people believe it worked Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing and I know that they said that they said the very same thing. I actually might have this mixed up with the exorcist, but in the exorcist, one of the the people who helps kind of with the movie says that he's like, like, what's the harm in somebody believing that it happened? Like placebo is as it's sometimes as like real as the actual thing. Mm-hmm. So she goes and she goes for two months to an inpatient place. And like, she is like subjected to a lot of testing. Like they said that they had given her all sorts of testing. She had been probed. She had been everything. And two months later, she is released with a clear bill of health. Like the girl doesn't have anything. They don't think that this is a, um, they really don't think that there's anything wrong with her physically and they don't think it's her like you know mentally doing this um so when I was watching that what culture one they were saying that like the debunking of this was kind of based on the fact that you know you could clearly see that well they felt you could clearly see that she was jumping out of the bed and mm-hmm. um, they also said that like the girls used to kind of laugh in the um in the interviews now the piece of video that they actually show when she is kind of smirking and stuff like that they had no audio with it but in the um in the documentary on channel four they do have the audio to go with it and it's when bill is talking through her so they're like where are you from and she's like i'm from here and she kind of has a smile like this like devilish smile so i was kind of like oh that's a bit misleading um even if she is putting it on, like mm. this isn't, this wasn't just her and her sister having the chats kind of going, oh no, <laughs> we totally saw a ghost. <laughs> Lol. Um, mm. 
And then they said as well, because the girls admitted it themselves. Um, but even when I said that to my sister, she was like, but you'd get like, you'd, you'd get caught up in it. Do you know? So you might actually do stuff like if you were just like bell teenagers. Also you know? as well, that if you think that they're not going to believe you, you feel like if you yeah. need to do more. Yeah, let's hype this up a little bit. I do think that like keeping this going for two years no kid is going to have the interest to do that first yeah yeah I really don't think so now the the guys who came from the society of like proving debunking said that quite a few people came out and it it, it like really believed it but a lot other people came out and really didn't believe it but they were saying that like the people who didn't believe it, like so didn't believe it, that it was kind of like it was almost like too much that they didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of like you're kind of just not believing it because you want to turn around and go, no, that's not real. No, it's not happening. Don't yeah. care what you say. Um, so it's it's one of those that you either like really believe it or you really don't and people do believe that it has been debunked because the girls said that yes some of it was them um and that you know it does look like she is jumping off but there was one one other case they were talking about um kind of near to the end of it where two people independently saw them on the same day um it was was it like the baker or something was doing deliveries or something Mm -hmm. and he looked over and the eldest sister was like levitating in the sitting room now I might have heard this wrong it might actually be that they saw the same thing but oh okay I was kind of like oh right so I thought that they said this but then when they talked about the second one I was like I'll be mad that it was happening at the same time so I could be wrong in this but somebody was levitating 100% uh, horizontally and just there were loads of toys and books following them and then a lollipop lady looked up to the bedroom window like they were they weren't in the same place like you know yeah and yeah. she looked up to the bedroom window so independently at the same time had looked up and um Jackie was also horizontally <laughs> levitating in the bedroom window Um, and she was kind of like I kind of thought maybe she was doing it herself so she said she went home and she got onto her bed and tried to support her weight and get off her bed and she was like you can't do it (laughs) (laughs) she's impossible like um now the two sisters still talk about it they very much are like yeah this 100% happened um and it 100% happened to us um the eldest sister um it didn't happen to her as much they were saying she was a lot more kind of reserved that Jackie the younger sister was really out there so I think Mm -hmm. that's why as well people were kind of like oh she's just looking for attention um but the eldest sister was kind of like I still get really jumpy you know and like if somebody walks by me I'll be like oh god and even if in the office if it happens she's like and I can't tell people why I get so jumpy she's just like oh yeah no just just a jumpy person she's like I can't be like oh I'm that girl from Enfield yes yeah 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 you want to be able to have a normal life yeah um so again it's on um it's on YouTube 
but was a Channel 4 documentary again. Um, so yeah, this is the one that I actually was like, I always thought that this was a fully debunked kind of proven fake yes. um, story. And I actually didn't realize that the second conjuring was about this and realized that I actually haven't seen it. Um, so I think if I had known that it was about this, I would have been like, oh, sure, it is a true story because the Warrens were involved. Um, but yeah, I always thought this one was 100% debunked. So when I watched the watch culture, what culture I was like, oh, I'll do that one. Sure, that's 100% fake. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, I don't know that I think that is 100% fake. You see, yeah, it's just fascinating. Yeah, there were too many people who had no reason to all say yes, that we saw things. And it's not that they were saying that they saw the same things, but they were all saying, yeah, no, we saw things that happened. Uh, we can't explain it. Like one of the women is just like, you know, I haven't spent my life thinking about this because I don't want to. She's like, I'd love to know it was fake. But mm. she was like, I saw it. It's not. Oh, it's also very interesting. And I might give that documentary a watch. Then. Yeah. And again, just under the hour. Just under. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sticking in England. Oh, also, I had been looking up because I wanted to check it. Yeah. And um, so the one, the Pontefract one is definitely is somewhere completely different. Oh, okay. It's just another. It was very similar because it was like a man died here. Da, 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 da. Um, so a lot of men dying in houses. There you go. Um, oh, no, it was the Black Monk of Pontefract, oh. they said. And I don't know whether there was a church nearby or something like that. But anyway, that was that was that one. Um, so what I'm going to do now is of a debunking of a ghost in Coventry University and the debunking, uh, it was in a weird way as to how he had managed to find it. So I, I, I won't hold off, I'll go into it now. So on the campus of Coventry University in England, there's a 14th century cellar, which is home to a ghost, or so people have thought. Those who had visited the cellar said that they had paranormal experiences with some people reporting seeing the ghost of a woman. And even a self-proclaimed witch said she couldn't stay there for more than a few moments at a time. She visited it a few times. Um, now, word had spread that there was a presence then in the cellar. So um, she had the witch had claimed that she was up the steps through a tourist information office. So this is, so we're talking, this is still the campus of okay. Coventry. Um, so there must have been for some reason that a tourist information area which stands over the cellar and um, so the assistant manager of the tourist office at the time had noticed that the witch had come back up looking frightened to death and she said she's not surprised about it because she too had had first experience of an apparition and felt like as if she was there intruding or disturbing something when she took forest down into the cellar ah now I'm understanding why there's a tourist office there <laughs> um, so other people had been affected by this too. Uh, colour was seen to be drained from the face of a visiting Canadian journalist who later said that he saw, he was sure he'd seen the face of a woman had been peering over his right shoulder. So news of this strange phenomena had spread not only to the community of the witches and paranormal folk, but also within the university. And so we then we come across a guy called Vic Andy, and he is a part-time lecturer uh, and also a bit of a ghost hunter. And so he had debunked this by discovering what was later called fear frequency. Okay. So, yeah, he, along with another colleague there, Dr. Tony Lawrence from the 
It was from the psychology department. And they wrote a paper called Ghosts in the Machine for a Journal of the Society for Psychical Research. Why had to make psychical? That's a weird word. Um, <laughs> they cited infrasound as the cause of apparitions seen by so-called the haunting uh, laboratory in Warwick. Oh, at a, sorry, uh, Warwick laboratory. Uh, Tandy had just sent in another contribution to the same magazine called Something in the Cellar, and it nailed the company the culprit which terrified the Canadian journalist and the White Witch, and again stating it was infrasound. Um, so basically it's infrasound kind of thing is, there's like this level of saying that is not heard to the naked ear and it can cause you to feel like if you've seen something. Okay. So you know like the way in horror movies that they, to put you off or to make you feel unsettled, they yes. might, uh, I think in The Exorcist they said that they had like the humming of wasps or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically he came across this himself when he was designing a machine or he was working in, in a lab um, and because a cleaner in the lab had given in her notice complaining that she had seen a grey object out the corner right and she'd gone on cold. So Candy himself was working late one night when the grey thing came for him. He said, I felt the hairs rise on the back of my neck. It seemed to be between me and the door, so the only thing I could do was turn and face it. It disappeared, but only to reappear in a different form the following day when Tandy, a keen fencer, sorry, he did everything, was oiling his foil and changing his skirt for a forthcoming tournament. The handle was clamped in advice on a workbench, yet the blade started vibrating like mad, he remembers. Um, this time, it was during the day, there were other people around, and although the hairs were rising, once again, he was determined to find a scientific explanation. Um, so he said when he finally, he said it had turned out that the infrasound was coming from a fairly new extractor fan. When he finally oh. switched it off, he said it was as if a huge weight was lifted. It makes me think that one of these applications of ongoing research could link between infrasound and sick building syndrome. He has yet to establish the source of infrasound, infrasound however, be, uh, beneath Coventry's Tourist Information Centre. But he has come to the conclusion that it has nothing to do with a san the sandstone stellar, stellar in the form of Benedictine Priory. These words are really getting me today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, highest, yeah, the highest readings are in the doorway and the corridor outside, and that's what's resonating. It's a modern corridor built a few years ago to provide access for the tourists. Some visitors have apparently been spooked before they have even set foot over the cellar's threshold, although they might take some convincing of that, especially the White Witch and all this she was saying. So this reminded me of, I had never heard of this infrasound thing and making you feel like as if that there's someone watching you or making you feel like if you've seen something. Yeah. It reminded me of a absolute dog shit film I'd seen called The Noise, or The Sound, sorry. And it's a 2017 horror film with Rosie McGowan in it. Okay. And it's well, also I think you've talked about this one. Yeah, because this was a film that was so boring. I watched it in fast forward. Yes. And the premise of this film was that she was a debunker and that she blamed, she said, everything is because of infrasound. Like she goes to this house where a father saying his daughter's been possessed and they were near an airfield. And it was the infrasound from the planes, you know, landing and taking off that was making the daughter act out strange and that if they just move they'll be fine or something like that and so she basically then the whole premises of, of the main part of the film is that she goes into this 
train um this this used uh underground in somewhere in america and basically says it's not hauntings it's just all the infrasound but it's affecting her and she's like live tweeting it and blogging it and it's just <laughs> it's just such a bad film but again it was the only one i could think of where they were looking into infrasound being the reason why people might think that they've seen uh, a spirit or that you know someone's watching them or something like that so it's a interesting topic to look into when people feel like as if they're being haunted is there some sort of a machine making a home that's you know yeah that could be the reason because so, actually yeah. one thing I forgot to say about the Amityville Horror, do you know in the movie where they talk about like the 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 window going down and like getting the child's fingers caught? Oh yes, yeah. So they actually went into the room that that happened in, like, and they were standing on the floorboards, and there was one really creaky floorboard, mm-hmm. and when they stood on it the window actually shot up and your man said that he was like, I nearly jumped out of my shoes backwards. And then they figured out that actually it was just a structural thing. So it's kind of, I know it's not sound, but it was amazing how they could kind of go, oh no, actually there was something wrong with the floorboards that actually totally made the the window. The window go nuts. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, obviously there are, you know, there are obviously other things that can be happening that like that, the house or sound or whatever that can affect people. So I don't know, this whole infrasound thing is new. And so I wonder would they use that to debunk other things or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting times in that sense. Yeah. And as we said at the start of the episode, we are here to piss on people's bleeps of of ghosts or stuff like that. Uh, we are still believers in it. I'm more like, I'm like in in the Parapod. I want this to be real. I want someone yeah. to show me something. Who was saying that? I've never actually, like we talk about how we should go to all these haunted locations. Now that things have eased up with COVID, we will definitely at some stage in the future go to the haunted areas of Ireland eventually. Yeah. And I just so- keep putting it off because I'm a big scaredy cat. <laughs> But like, I mean, as much as I'm like, yeah, I'd love for it to happen. It's so hard to ever happen to me. Like, like I shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually so, shit myself. Yeah, so people keep on believing. Um, but there are... The truth is out there. Look yeah. to the skies. <laughs> Watch the X-Files, people. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, totally just do your own thing. And then, but there are also debunkers who are going to catch out people who are just trying to make a quick book out of this. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed this topic. So yes. thank you very much, Emer, for No problem. Although I feel like I kind of failed at doing it justice because I'm kind of like, so I kind of still believe it. <laughs> yeah, no, see, it didn't work on you. Yeah. The debunking didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit like your man. I'm like, but what if it is true? It's too scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So terrifying. But make sure to follow us on Instagram um, because you're home. Um, I might see if I can get some of those photos um, and pop them up on your Instagram this week. Um, And our Instagram is because you're home with an underscore in between each word. 
and you can listen to us on most podcast platforms not like the PowerPod where you can only listen to them on Apple and definitely not Spotify um, and if you do listen to us on Apple or Spotify would you please give us a rate and review we'd really appreciate that and if you can't be us doing anything like that just tell a friend tell a friend that's it friendly friend and we will bye talk bye. to you next week bye bye